This Voice of the Arts podcast is made possible thanks to the Carnegie Museum of Art. Brian Field, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, Anna. Thank you very much. Um, I am so excited to speak with you because you have so much going on as a composer. Um, and your music is described as an eclectic fusion of lyricism and driving rhythm that brings together elements of post-romanticism and minimalism and jazz. And how would you describe your music? Well, uh, that's a pretty uh, good description. Okay. Um. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> you know, I really, I, I try to, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very eclectic uh, when it comes to compositional styles, uh, taking uh, a little bit from everything. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, kind of fusing it together. Uh, A lot of it depends upon the the piece and the occasion of the piece. I'm very much of the the mindset. Maybe it's a a very old mindset (laughs) going back to uh, (laughs) Renaissance or Baroque tradition of uh, music really being a craft. Um, You know, it's a, uh, you know, something to be practiced. It's something, uh, you know, you know, uh, someone comes with a commission and they ask for something very specific and, uh, you know, based upon the performer and that performer's inclinations, um, I like to try to, uh, um, you know, respond accordingly, um, you know, to, to that, uh, to that request. And, um, and so it really is a, uh, uh, you know, kind of an old way of thinking, uh, you know, when, uh, someone would come to a composer and ask them for a particular piece and, you know, here's the number of forces and, uh, you know, uh, you know, here's what I need it for, um, you know, taking all of that in mind to to create uh, the best possible piece for that particular occasion. How did you yourself become interested in music? How did you start as, a, I, I assume, as a youngster? Yes, very, very, very true. At a very young age, uh, I, you know, I started playing piano. And um, so, you know, seven or eight years old and... Uh, even at that early age, I had this, uh, you know, notion of wanting to write things down. I didn't have the uh, kind of the uh, technical capabilities to do that, to write down, uh, but I tried nonetheless. And uh, particularly, excuse me, particularly as I, you know, got into um, junior high and uh, high school age, uh, I found um, mentors and individuals who were uh, actual composers, and I sought them out and their advice, and they you know, took me under their wing and began to uh, more formally train me. Um, you know, so it was a, a you know great um, kind of a pa- passing on of that kind of a knowledge, um, which uh, uh, I endeavor to do today too. I was reading how, as a high school student, uh, you were singing in a choir, and uh, you had your first formal composition instructor was Steve Wolf, who was um, the organist and I believe the director of the choir at that point. And he was the one who sort of started you in that very simple way of learning plain song and Gregorian chant. That's right. You know, Steve was uh, and is uh, you know, an amazing individual, like a, a real polymath. And, uh, you know, he, I, I you know, was singing in his choir, uh, church choir, and uh, I, I told him that I was really interested in composition. He got very excited. And, and so he said, well, let's start at the very beginning. And so it was, you know, plain song, Gregorian chant. I was like, wait a second, what? Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, it took all the early polyphony, um, you know, it, so it was, it was a, a, a really uh, interesting journey. And, um, you know, especially with someone who's so enthusiastic, 
uh, that kind of enthusiasm is very contagious mm-hmm. and, um, uh, you know, something that really continued to you know, stimulate uh, and, you know, push me and push me uh, forward uh, to learn more and more, not just about, about plain song <laughs> <laughs> uh, or early music, but uh, but in general. Um, and, and that kind of curiosity, I think, is, uh, you know, really critical for uh, any musician, but particularly a composer. Um, who who needs to stay open-minded and attuned to everything that's happening around. Right. And when you started uh, college, was your focus composing? And then I believe there was also um, literature as part of your uh, degrees. Yes. Yeah, so so definitely music. Uh, and uh, I was also I was sort of a double major in both uh, composition and in uh, English literature. And you know that was uh, really meaningful to me as well because of the tight interconnectedness between the spoken word and music. Uh, you know, uh, you know, poetry and literature, uh, you know, can paint all sorts of different uh, pictures in uh, in one's mind, uh, and then music uh, helps describe more of the uh, emotional and oftentimes the ineffable um, part of, uh, of of what we feel. And bringing those two things together, um, you know, super important. Um, and so I, I, you know, I really enjoy setting uh, text to music to poet, you know, poetry to music, um, and uh, you know, and, and those two things combined, I think, can be a super powerful um, vehicle, not just for literature and expressing emotion, but for also uh, making social commentary. Well, you have a brand new uh, CD out, the Vocal Works, which um, of course brings the human voice to the forefront, and of course the poetry too. Talk a little bit about your brand new uh, Vocal Works by Brian Field. So the, the Vocal Works um, uh, recording is uh, it's kind of a wide variety of uh, choral pieces, of solo vocal pieces. Uh, it ranges from a gospel-inspired works. Uh, with uh, uh, some texts uh, composed by um, myself, um, works for voice and orchestra uh, with settings um, of Pablo Neruda and also traditional Sephardic song, um, and then also um, kind of a long, sweeping, slightly more expressionistic uh, type of piece um, for uh, for uh, uh, baritone and piano uh, based upon um, poetry by E.E. E. Cummings. So it's a very wide, uh, wide variety of different um, texts uh, of slightly different uh, stylistic approaches, um, and there's uh, also one in there, um, uh, you know, build wall, which is a little bit of a uh, back to my social commentary comment, uh, a little bit uh, of a <clears throat> tongue-in-cheek uh, um, piece. Uh, around immigration, uh, you know, both uh, kind of the left and the right side uh, of the uh, of the spectrum, and um, uh, perspective on, on that. How do we keep our children safe? Do we give up our guns? Ha! Don't be crazy, for goodness sake! Do we keep them indoors under lock and key? No, that's not the American wave you see. Should we shut down their walls and their screens? 
Well, I really enjoy the fact that you do have, um, you are writing music that pertains to today. And of course, there is this amazing piece of music that um, is the... uh, Three Passions, which is winning prizes everywhere. It it won the Platinum Prize at the Beethoven Competition and uh, the Gold at the Franz Schubert Competition, uh, the Moscow uh, Music Competition, and and I think it just debuted in January of this year, correct? Well, it started, uh, actually, so it's uh, Three Passions for Our Tortured Planet, and Mm -hmm. that's the political commentary. I mean, this is less political, it's real social commentary on the climate change uh, crisis that we all uh, are living in today. And it's a um, representation of three different, uh, three different aspects of climate change. So the first movement is fire, um, representing the wildfires that uh, are frequent across the United States, particularly in the West, uh, but really around the world. Um, the second one, glaciers, which is uh, kind of an homage to, um, you know, the, uh, the, the, uh, the glaciers um, in Antarctica and the Arctic um, that are rapidly melting and then the rising uh, uh, temperature of water uh, accompanied with that. Um, and then finally winds, which talks about the uh, destructive nature, uh, ever-increasing destructive nature around uh, particularly hurricanes and typhoons uh, around the world. And so, you know, the, the, the real essence of this was to create a, uh, a musical statement for awareness, but also discussion in a way that uh, uh, potentially is less polarizing than just a, uh, a verbal discussion uh, where oftentimes people take extreme points of view. You know, this is a, a, slightly a softer way of engendering that type of discussion. And so this debuted um, a year ago. Mm, Um, It was a collaboration with a fellow Juilliard alum, uh, Kei Kyunung Kim, who's uh, uh, now in uh, Seoul in South Korea. And we began working on this. Um, So she, you know, it's dedicated to her and she brought it out. And over the past um, now year and a half, it's uh, received dozens of uh, awards, as you mentioned, but uh, more importantly, dozens of performances and recordings that pianists, um, I think, from every continent now except for uh, um, uh, Antarctica, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> have now have now uh, um, played, participated in, and um, uh, and and recorded a lot of this uh, into social media, you know, YouTube and uh, Instagram. Um, to, to, to raise awareness, uh, engender that discussion uh, with audiences. And importantly, all of the uh, proceeds that I collect on this particular project are being donated to the Union of Concerned Scientists, 
a nonprofit that's been in existence for decades now uh, to help support their uh, climate advocacy programs. There's also a website, Passions for Our Tortured Planet, where uh, it's a musical movement to support the environment, and one can join now. And as you mentioned, uh, you all of your proceeds go to the scientists, but um, also it's uh, easy to get the music and have it performed. That's right. So the music, uh, as I said, I'm, I'm donating all of this. Um, so uh, you can go to the website, uh, passionsfortorturedplanet.org. Um, and uh, join up. Uh, you can download the score, a uh, demo of the piece as well. If you're a professional pianist, even if you're an amateur pianist, it really doesn't matter. Um, you know, more voices uh, to this uh, global chorus, the better. And um, uh, recording them, uh, you know, into social media, um, certainly welcome. Uh, so uh, amateur or professional, uh, everyone's, everyone can get involved. Uh, and help spread the word. And actually, you'll be part of a performance, I believe, in New York City this weekend uh, with um, at the Greenwich House uh, on Barrow Street uh, with uh, performances. That's right. So um, this Saturday at um, 6.30 uh, p.m. Eastern, um, uh, we'll have that performance. Um, and um, uh, the pianist in that case will be uh, Francesca Khalifa. Um, and uh, I'll be present there. We're going to be showing a, a brief uh, documentary ahead of that. We'll have a uh, panel discussion that follows with uh, um, Francesca, myself, and climate uh, scientists. And, um, you know, should be a, a, a great opportunity for uh, folks to get together face-to-face -to -face if uh, they're, they're free, uh, you know, for the weekend on Saturday. Um, so uh, 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 welcome uh, anyone to, uh, to, to join in and uh, uh, come hear us live. I think that's great, but what's really incredible is the fact that this weekend there is a performance of this work in New York City, but also in China and in Kazakhstan and also in South Korea. So I feel like the word is getting out. You are actually able to do something with your music that is a positive force for making people aware of climate change and what they can do about it. That's the, that's that's the hope. Um, you know, every 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 little bit helps, um, and um, you know the, the the fact that um, it's really uh, you know to benefit the planet as a social mission um, has uh, has brought a lot of enthusiasm from pianists around the world, and as you mentioned, uh, you know, this weekend alone. Uh, several performances around the world. And I want to congratulate you on the first prize at the Wanda Landowska International Harpsichord Competition with one of your recent pieces. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, um, uh, not not about a so social thing or a climate thing. <laughs> this is one where um, 
uh, you know, a, a harpsichordist um, and I that worked together a few years ago, uh, you know, she had a recital coming up and uh, she wanted, uh, you know, a piece. And I said, hey, um, let me think about it. And um, so uh, uh, Takata Danzante uh, is the name of the piece, uh, sort of a dancing Takata. And, um, uh, you know, so uh, it was uh, very satisfying to, uh, to to be awarded that. Uh, recently. That is very exciting. Congratulations. Um, as a composer, you must sort of have a, a, a process. How? Tell us what it's like to be you when you're composing. How, how do you approach the day? It, um, so, you know, composing oftentimes takes the, you know, uh, the most creative is like in early morning hours. Um, and, uh, you know, it, the, the approach really depends upon the particular piece. So if it's a, a text-oriented piece, a song or a, a choral piece, um, there's a lot of uh, thinking about and sort of imagining um, sounds around the text uh, itself. Um, when it's a, a strictly instrumental piece, um, it'll often be, you know, snatches of melody or rhythm that are the, uh, the the genesis of the piece, <clears throat> and then it's a continued uh, kind of working through and refinement uh, and expansion. As I mentioned, you know, this is really um, uh, you know very craft oriented, mm-hmm. um, and um, you know, there's I think there's this uh, um, uh, mistaken notion, uh, probably born out of. Uh, the 19th century kind of uh, romantic <laughs> ideal of artists in general of, you know, needing to wait for inspiration to strike or uh, any of that. And that's really quite a, a, a load of nonsense. It's, it's really the, you know, sitting down and working it. And sometimes it's uh, difficult. Uh, you know, sometimes it comes easier, but uh, continuing to, uh, to, to move forward and to acknowledge that not everything that uh, one puts down is going to be uh, the finished product or awesome, that uh, there are going to be plenty of false starts, uh, stops, and uh, continued uh, editing um, over a period of time is uh, just the name of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, um, you know, it's, there's nothing magical there. Uh, it's, it's really just a lot of uh, hard work and, uh, persistence over time. Uh, the 10,000 hours of becoming a genius in the field that you've chosen. Yeah, and I think about it a lot like, um, uh, you know, if you go back in time uh, to, you know, to composers, uh, you know, even such as like Handel and Bach, who, um, you know, they had to produce like mm-hmm. every week, uh, right. you know, every day, um, they had to produce something and, um, you know, their jobs. Um, and so that kind of um, uh, you know, craft-based, you know, you're producing it, um, is, um, is something that, uh, um, you know, I think is lost on many people uh, because of that kind of false uh, notion of uh, uh, inspiration. Right. Um, now, inspiration, of course, can, can play a role in it as well, and you can certainly be inspired, uh, you know, as a, a melody or rhythm or what have you um, works its way out. <clears throat> uh, make no mistake, but but there's no, um, you know, uh, you know, a stroke of lightning, and, and suddenly <laughs> someone's a genius, and 
uh, you know, I think that's a, a somewhat a romanticized notion. <laughs> well, I think anybody, you just, you need the discipline, you need to sit down, you need to make it happen. As uh, Stephen King, as a writer, talks about how he just does the same thing that you do. He sits down in the morning and writes. And um, that's what makes it possible is, uh, as you say, it's not necessarily that lightning strike of uh, brilliance, but uh, just hard work. Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, I know that was uh, um, Elliot Carter's routine as well, you know, oh, like, okay. uh, early morning, mm -hmm. uh, you know, write, and then, uh, you know, later in the day uh, doing, uh, you know, answering emails and doing things like that. Do you have, what's, uh, what is your current project? Um, so I've got a, uh, a contest piece, uh, as I've uh, <laughs> made the finalist of an Italian competition that um, is uh, required of me. So I'm uh, working through that. Um, it's a, a piano etude, mm -hmm. um, but really working on a set of um, of uh, vocal pieces. <clears throat> um, you know, we've got an election coming up, and so that's uh, fodder for a lot of commentary. Yes, it is. <laughs> you can imagine. <laughs> um, and so um, you know, there are. Uh, it, it's a, um, a, a multi movement piece that um, you know that talks a lot about. Um, uh, society in this country, um, b both social commentary, political commentary, um, and so uh, hopefully, um, I don't know, I don't think it'll be completed by uh, the time of the election, but um, hopefully shortly thereafter, mm -hmm. and um, you know, should be a uh, you know a, a, a funny uh, work. Oh. <laughs> We can only hope for funny these days with all the yeah. political distress that, that seems to be yeah, surrounding that's, us. That's uh, right. That's right. I was looking at a little bit. Uh, I mean, you write for everything, television and stage, solo acoustic, chamber, ballet, um, choral. And, of course, uh, I feel like vocal music is very close to your heart. Um, would we know any of the things that you've written for television or stage? Um, pr probably not since the, a lot of the, um, the television work was done, uh, probably a couple decades ago at this point. Okay. Um, but, um, but I continued to write for, uh, you know, for stage and dance just last year, mm -hmm. um, did a piece for, um, uh, the Chapman, uh, dance department, um, uh, in, uh, California, um, and, uh, uh, I wrote a piece that was like a, about a, a 12, 13 minute piece um, for a modern dance group mm -hmm. um, that performed it uh, kind of coast to coast. And, uh, you know, so that was a lot of fun, especially working with um, with young modern dancers. Do you you are so busy as a composer. Do you have time yourself to teach? Um, I've, uh, I, I mentor, um, okay. I mentor uh, students at Juilliard. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a really a, a give back, um, from my, uh, perspective, um, you know, having, um, uh, gone to school there and, uh, as an alumnus, uh, you know, able to share some of uh, my perspectives and also, um, also, uh, uh, uh kind of, uh, give, uh, those conservatory students, um, a little bit of grounding in the, the real world, you know, what to expect. Hey, you know, don't worry if you don't make um, all of those uh, orchestral auditions. You know, there's life after that. Right. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Do you have any uh, words of wisdom for a young uh, music student just graduating since this is the time of graduation? 
it, it really is about staying curious and staying open. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether you're a composer or you're a performing uh, instrumentalist, um, you know, being open and, um, you know, putting yourself out there and exposing oneself to a wide variety of different music, um, you know, whether that's serious concert music, popular music, uh, Broadway music, um, you know, the more the better. Um, and uh, it, it only enriches um, one's uh, understanding, uh, appreciation, and uh, capabilities, frankly. Wow. Thank you so much. Brian, I really appreciate your time this morning. Um, award-winning composer, uh, including a McKnight Foundation Fellowship, the Benetti Foundation Recording Prize, first prize for the Briarcliff Choral Music Competition, first prize for the Victor Herbert Ascap Young Composers. Um, and I could go on and on and on, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for speaking with me this morning. Thank you very much, Anna. This Voice of the Arts podcast is made possible thanks to the Carnegie Museum of Art.